Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. <laughs> because politics needed a rebrand. <laughs> Welcome back to Girl in the Gov podcast. What an exciting day. I'm just so excited. Do you want to tell everyone why? Why? I I had really good scrambled eggs this morning. Samantha. <laughs> oh, did you make them? No. Of course not. <laughs> but no, that's not why we're excited today. We're excited today because... Merch is back, baby. Merch is hey back. Yo. Merch is live right now. So you can go buy merch right now as you're listening to this podcast. And actually, before you go do that, there is something exciting to add on to that because we are actually, this time around, doing a fun little special giveaway. And here's how it works. Are we ready? Ready to rumble. Sorry, I'm still in baseball <laughs> mode, but we'll get there. I know, we'll get there. So here's how it works. Whoever is the 10th person to buy any of our new merch designs will get either a, another new merch design of your choice or an OG merch design from our first launch for free. So whatever your second piece you would like to have for free, we will give that to you if you are the 10th person to purchase. So exciting stuff. And basically once you purchase, then we will check who that 10th person is. We will email you and we will get going on shipping and all of that fun stuff. So go get your merch. Go, go get, get your, merch. your merch. There's a lot of cute, cute, cute stuff um, available for you now. We have some cropped hoodies. All of the designs come in a set, so they all have matching sweatpants, if that is of interest to you. Different color variations and fun sayings. Should we go through what um, the sayings are? We should, but I want to make one just, like, exciting note about the crop. AK, we all love a crop, but especially, like, I have gotten super, super into that vibe recently and then have tried to cut my existing ones. And your girl cannot cut a straight line. I mean, I can barely walk in a straight line, so... For all of our um, not-so-crafty humans out there, this one, this one's for you. Yeah. But wait, yeah, okay, was, the phrases. The phrases. The phrases. We have how many total phrases, new phrases do we have? Two. We have two phrases with multiple different color options. So, for, And honestly, you've probably heard both of these on the show at some point because apparently mm-hmm. they like to come to our brains while we're recording. So they might, they might sound familiar. <laughs> First one is helping politics find new friends. So cute and so true. You know, if you maybe have never engaged in the political space, but now here you are, like, just that's applicable to you. Go get her. She's in a cute little heart. And we're making new friends. Politics is making new friends. And we just love to see it. So that's number one. We're all about the friends here. 
We're all about friends. Friends being friends. We're all about friends. Second one is something that you hear, I think, minimum (laughs) twice. Minimum twice an episode is Mm. we'll keep you updated. And it's just exciting to really slap that on a piece of clothing at this point because now every time we say it, it's just going to feel like we're at home, you know? Home sweet home. You know, it's really... You know what? Wait a fucking second. Okay, so I'm derailing this whole thing. You know how people always will ask, like, oh, my God, like, if you got a tattoo, what would it be? That sort of thing. And I don't have any tattoos. There's your fun fact, everybody. Do I get a tattoo? Um, um, we'll keep you updated. Samantha that might be as close is, as we're going to get. You're going rogue. Rails. You're going, going absolutely rogue. rogue, but I'm so for it. I would, I would absolutely get that tattooed on my body. Maybe, like, small on the foot, bottom of the foot. Mm, butt cheek. I'm really ticklish. Really ticklish <laughs> on the foot. Maybe maybe just across the butt cheek. I Look, I – okay, so I had this thing. This was years ago. This is probably, like, first two years out of college. But, like, I had this thing called season of the butt. I was like, okay, like, what is my favorite, like, body part kind of thing? And I was like, damn, I got a great tiny butt. Like, just the cutest little, mm, little butt. Anyways – that became season of the butt. So then I made my friends celebrate season of the butt all year, every day. I love season of the butt. I, and imagine season I, of the butt tattooed on one side and then we'll keep you updated on the other. Every year is that's season our, of the butt for me. So we just love that. But I'm glad that like we're really just filling everyone's ears with some white noise right now while they go buy their merch. But to continue mm-hmm. this conversation, if you haven't seen our old merch or you weren't around to grab it, those those little designs include the following sayings. It's going to be a vote from me. She's cute. She's in a circle, civically engaged with a little cute little polished manicured hand with a big old fat ring on it. But we're civically engaged. We're not engaged Mm -hmm. to boys. No, no way. And then the famous, the absolutely famous, everyone's been begging for it to come back. When in doubt, vote them out. So those are all potential options for you to get a free piece of merch if you go buy a new piece of merch and are the 10th person. So go get after it. But I just think there's like a thing where like the limit does not exist. The one that does not exist. lounge wear, like any of That's that. That's all I wear these days. Like, are we joking? Seem like I just, because, okay, here's the thing. We know, we know, I love a good freaking fashion moment. The fit, that outfit, the shoes, the whole freaking nine yards. However, I like that when I'm outside my apartment, but it is really hard to do work in, like, I don't know. Any normal Pants clothes that don't while have you're a waistband? Yes. While you're in your apartment especially, you're like why in the world would I ever wear anything restricting in my home? Totally. And so, you know, we do a lot of work at home and this yeah. is it's just is never not that. hoodie season and it's never not sweat season now in this post-pandemic world. Like true. Like everyone, you just need them at all times. And it's also never not ice coffee season. And I just want to throw that out there for any of my friends. That, that is all that. As well. Yeah, that is definitely That's a religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she will be in 20 degree weather with sideways snow hitting her face and we'll still be holding a nice coffee. But let's talk about baseball because we both went to a baseball game. We both went to opening day. I went mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Samantha went in New York City. How was your experience? Was that like your first baseball game? It wasn't. I definitely went in like high school, middle school, like a few very things. And I have a hat. I'll obviously put this on our story because I tried to wear a sad hat, which was half the reason I said yes to going to this game because obviously for the fashion, mm-hmm. which I was very overdressed for, side note. I clearly <laughs> am great at being casual. So great. But this hat is... First of all, I definitely have like a weird shaped head and we've gone over this before. I'm just and it's a you were wearing wide a brim. I, I couldn't wear it. I couldn't even bring myself. It was It was I a wide rim hat. So ridiculous. But ne- nonetheless, you know, it was a vibe. It was we won. So we love a good winning so moment. We. See, this it's because we were there, we're good luck. Yeah, we're good luck. And they couldn't have won without us. There's no way. Yeah, I How is yours? Th- it was great. I did stay at the bar outside of the stadium until like the fourth inning. 
and then I came in. <laughs> that is a pro move. Oh my god. Um, but it was very fun. It was a beautiful, warm day, which we love to see, and it just really felt like felt like summer. And I'm just excited to continue to go to Giants games because go Giants. But I feel as though Mm. we should get into this episode because you're probably right. We definitely spent our time talking about how excited we are about merch. And hopefully you guys have already gone to purchase your favorite item and are in the running for being the 10th person to go get your free piece of merch. And we're celebrating season of the butt season of the butt potential new merch in the future who knows but but but, 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 who's our guest lord have mercy sorry guys our guest is christina ball owens she's the executive director of public wise and public wise has been up to something pretty cool they have launched something called the insurrection index and no this is not an index at the back of a book this is an index online yes ready at your fingertips to check out and as the name might suggest it does have something to do with the instruction but we won't we won't steal this show we will not do that we're gonna get into it so without further ado here's christina all right well let's get into it you are the executive director of public wise give us the four and one what does public wise do what's the mission run us through it Sure. So PublicWise is a national organization that fights for equity and democracy. And we do that in three different ways. We do that through research. So creating high quality, rigorous research. I should note that our research team is all badass lady PhDs. One oh, woman has a master's working towards her PhD. Yeah, I think we're probably the only uh, political group can, that can say that. That's um, amazing. Like, so, first of all, round of applause for that. I love that little <laughs> fun fact. We love it. But creating high quality and rigorous research that's demonetized. Mm-hmm. So coming from the nonprofit side, a lot of the data that, that is involved with electoral politics is incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the frontline groups that are doing work in marginalized communities can't afford that. So we wanted to take that barrier out. The second piece of it is granting and re-granting. So we give unrestricted funds, which we think is really important to trusted messengers and communities that are working um, with what we call the rising electorate. So people like youth, new immigrants, returning citizens, otherwise known as former felons, and voters and communities of color. So giving to groups that have already developed relationships in these in these communities, that are experts in these communities, we re-grant to them. And, you know, we really stress the fact that it's general ops because we trust these groups to spend the money in the way that they know is best. And some of the metrics that are used to look at efficacy are just not, they don't work anymore, right? So if you're looking at new immigrant voters, the cost per vote is going to cost more because you're translating, right? So we really just trust the groups to do the work that they need to do to reach out to these communities. And the last piece is we're all organizers. Uh, We all come from campaign backgrounds and government and nonprofit. So I like to call us the um, consulting group for the movement that is free. So if there are ways that we can do holistic, you know, we call it the funds plus model. If there are ways that we could do holistic capacity building, like helping to fundraise, like jumping in and running an organizing campaign or working on compliance, all the things that people didn't really think about when they were little kids and wanted to go into politics, like some of those details you know, we can really jump in and help groups do that to help build the movement and make groups more sustainable. So like, is there anything you guys don't do? I'm supposed to say we're not lawyers. That'll come up a couple of times and some, you know, some of this, but we aren't, we do fund attorneys. We do fund some of that work, but no, we, there are things that we don't do and we have found our lane. You know, part of creating this organization actually was the democracy field is pretty saturated, which you both know. And we just wanted to see where we could add value and not duplicate things. So we were careful in choosing our lanes. Totally. And I think that's like such an important point is that there's so many different lanes in, you know, keeping a healthy democracy. And just because you choose one lane doesn't mean one's better than the other. You have Mm -hmm. to find the one that really sort of fits with you and what your skill set is and where you can be most of help. And sometimes that takes you know a moment or two to figure that out but it's always worth it and it seems like you guys have definitely found your lane your niche and within that niche you guys have launched the insurrection index which i'm gonna call the ii by the way that's like just a <laughs> little swear. branding moment oh i swear yes 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 absolutely. you guys are free totally free to take that <laughs> 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 I won't charge it. 
I'm obsessed. Um, absolutely using that. So I squared. What is it? How does it work? So the Insurrection Index, uh, which can be found at insurrectionindex.org, is a free and open database that compiles all of the information on January 6th, its participants, organizers, funders, and you know other folks that contributed to the events of January 6th. And so it came out of the research that we do at PublicWise. So at the end of 2020, you know, we saw that there was record turnouts, which was a really amazing thing. We also saw that there were people who still chose to sit out the elections, who were registered and eligible to vote. And even with more mechanisms than ever, and, you know, more motivation than ever, arguably, to vote, there are people who still chose not to. And we wanted to look at why. So we did focus groups across several battleground states. Hopefully people would know that in those states, their vote even counts more than others and ask people, why didn't you vote? And one of the themes that came up in several groups was the theme of accountability. So half of these groups happened before January 6th, half of them happened after. But the theme would come up in ways like, you know, people can do all these things to throw out my vote and nothing ever happens to them. You know, like look what happened with Stacey Abrams, like, you know, whole precincts were thrown out. No one ever went to jail. No one, nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. So why should I waste my time? So, and then of course, after January 6th, it turned more into like, look at those people. You think anything's going to happen to them? You know, like, so right. we, we took that to heart and we wanted to see how we as an organization could hold people accountable and use accountability to build trust in the system, which there's under understandably disenchantment with the electoral system right now. So we created this single point of access database. And, you know, in many ways, we did some of the research in-house. Other ways, we were the quarterback of, of other groups that were doing really incredible research and put it into one site where someone could look up by social media handle, by state, by office they're running for, by char- uh, charge, you know, the crime that they were charged with to see who is running in for office near them or is in their community and what they did to be part of or to contribute to the January 6th insurrection. And we have real receipts, we have screenshots, we have, you know, statements that these people put out, we have press coverage, and all of that is there so that voters and, you know, press or researchers or campaign operatives that anyone can take a look at it and really cast an informed vote. So we always say that Open Secrets is like the Dumois or the TMZ of campaign uh, finance. You guys are literally the Dumas or TMZ for the insurrection. That is what Yeah, we love screenshots and we love receipts. I love that parallel there. But speaking of just like January 6th, for those who are just feeling like that was so long ago, we're going to revisit it <laughs> as much as everyone's like, please no. Can you kind of just give us an synopsis of like really what happened there and also like how your guys's, you know, I squared was <laughs> organized and kind of funded in the first place to kind of tackle this? Sure. So it does feel like it was several years ago when you think back to it, mm-hmm. especially when you think about January 5th, 2021, when mm-hmm. the Georgia runoff, yeah. we were all celebrating, you know, those two Senate seats were won. A lot of those victories were led by women of color. So, you know, there was like a lot of champagne and or, I don't know, I was home. but So much know. champagne. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of celebration. Yeah. And then January 6th, we wake up and the election results were supposed to be certified, right? So Congress was supposed to vote and say that Joe Biden won the election, which we know he did. There's no proof otherwise. And there was a rally that had been planned called the Stop the Steal rally for, you know, near the Capitol for people who believe that there was fraud and you believed in the big lie. So the idea that Joe Biden didn't actually win the election, that a lot of fraud and, um, you know, shenanigans were, were what got him into office. So that rally happened, you know, people spoke and then it ended in a march to the Capitol. And from there, you know, there was violence against Capitol officers. You know, a Capitol officer died from his injuries that day. Two more committed suicide after, you know, to trauma related to the insurrection. We saw that, you know, members of Congress were hiding for their safety. You know, people were teaching each other how to make um, weapons out of their lapel pins and pens. You know, that there was a real sense of danger and violence. And, you know, when, when people talk about it as legitimate political discourse, I like to bring up the fact that there were actual gallows mounted outside of the Capitol and people were chanting, hang Mike Pence, because the belief was that he had the ability to overturn the election results, which he actually didn't. And, you know, that that went on for hours and it was supposed to delay certification. But in the end, the election results were certified. Thank God. Thank literal God. Yeah, I honestly will never forget that day. Personally, I remember like watching it on 
the news and then like the news was still kind of showing the election being certified and everything was kind of normal inside and then i was looking on social media and there was all these videos of like people like breaking the windows and entering capital i'm like and then they're still you know doing the whole process in the chamber and i was like wait y'all you guys gotta get out of there like yeah something's right happening. and like the images get of like, like getting whisked away yeah yeah there's just so many images from that day that are burned in our brains and totally. it's it's interesting like you know, we and we went through a lot of these images to create this website and then talking, you know, we were on um, a call with a, a chief of staff who was there that day and you were talk, talking pretty like, you know, factually and about the data. And then she just stopped and she's like, yeah, I was there and told the story. And like, it's also important for us to remember it was a very traumatic day mm-hmm. for people who just showed up to work. So like the elected officials, oh, like staff, the staff, staff, custodial staff, yeah. who like maybe don't even care about politics, right? right? But they're their lives were greatly affected that day. Absolutely. Well, let's get into I have a stupid question because I feel like this will flow perfectly into it. And we'll definitely dive in further on kind of like where everything's at with insurrection and all the research and all the investigations and such. But to start with our first one, I think there's a lot of confusion as to like, what's an insurrection? What's a coup? And the difference is there. Can we start with like, what is a coup? So I, I have to say it's funny because these are not stupid questions yeah. and they're questions that people have invested a lot of money into polling on and seeing what what people what resonates for that day, like what voters want to call what happened on January 6th. Yeah. This is a part where I'm supposed to say I am not a lawyer and these are legal terms. I don't even play one on TV, so I can't say that. <laughs> um, a coup is a violent overthrow of a sitting government. So... There are people who call what happened on January 6th an attempted coup. I believe it is an attempted coup. We're seeing that there are charges of seditious conspiracy, which is sort of a sibling to a coup, so that there is acknowledgement that the the Department of Justice is acknowledging that this was a plan. This was not a rally gone too far. This is not a First Amendment issue. This is not a people, you know, an issue of people getting too heated while expressing their their opinion, this was a planned overthrow of the government or attempted overthrow of the government. Mm-hmm. So that is what a coup is. Okay. And then what about like an insurrection? Is a, a close sibling. It okay. is a violent overthrow of authority, essentially. So our polling has actually showed that people feel really comfortable with the word insurrection and that that resonates. So we, I mean, we we have always thought it was, you know, an attempt to overthrow government. So we, it's part of how we landed on insurrection index. It's interesting, okay. too, because I feel like over the years, I've heard the word coup yeah. used so many times. Like, I feel like that has been applied to many, you know, world scenarios and things I've mm. learned in the history books and whatnot. But I will be honest. I think the word insurrection, the first time I heard this was literally on January 6th last year. Like, I yeah. don't think that <laughs> is ever obviously like once I'm once, you know, that was happening and whatnot and someone said it like i understood obviously the context clues and put two and two together okay the close sibling etc but it wasn't one that i felt like i was familiar with and it's interesting because i feel like if i had been pulled about it even prior to that i don't know if i would have had a great grasp on honestly what that term meant and its implications yeah I feel yeah. like before January 6th, it like remind me like Les Mis or like, you know, like totally. history, right? Like overthrowing governments or like yeah. who's or things that happened, you know, like in other countries, like where my, yeah. you know, my family, or like it was just not something that was part of our regular vocabulary. Yeah. But now all my devices autocorrect everything into insurrection. So, <laughs> yeah. Really, you on. know, when the autocorrect gets involved, it's next yeah, level. Yeah. You're like, wow, this is, this is fact now. <laughs> well, just to like also clarify, like, so a coup is more. Like attempting to overthrow an entire government and take it over, would you say? And then insurrection is like clearly they're trying to stop a kind of government process from happening. Like, what, I think insurrection intent- is more broad in just authority. It can include government, any sort of authority figure or process. Coup is specifically of a government. Yeah, like taking over the. Entire I believe government. I don't know that those are legal terms. I'm supposed to keep saying that. But yeah, that is our working our it. working definition at Public Wise as non attorneys. So that's how we're. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. The next one is what is an insurrectionist? Like who who to qualifies for that? Is there a coupist? Like what's the what's the word? <laughs> <laughs> or who like, does a coup? <laughs> an actor on the coup. So we actually at Public Wise we looked at the definition of insurrectionist in the lens of who we were going to put in the database. So I can speak to that. We considered anyone who attended, 
spoke at the rally, contributed, planned, organized, or spread misinformation about the election, and that contributed to the events of January 6th, we consider all of those people insurrectionists. So under that definition, and I'm pulling this up because our chief information officer, also a woman, was updating this earlier today. So we are at 1,509 records of insurrectionists. Wow. Wow. And that includes individuals and organizations. 209 people are elected elected officials and 38 are candidates running to become elected officials. Wow. So under that definition, that is who we have found. And then, you know, there's, there's, it's not like we started this with like, we know the universe, like 2000 people participated, right? Like we're, right. we're, we're continuing to find more and more what the actual number is. So we expect that number to grow. Mm-hmm. Wait, so is anyone who like, who was at the original rally and like went home and thought it was just like a rally? Are those considered insurrectionists or is it anyone who like ended up going to the Capitol? We're, if you were at the rally, we're considering it. I mean, okay. and, and there's more and more information coming out that it was always planned, mm-hmm. you know, that there was the, the march to the rally, yeah. uh, to the Capitol and, you know, the storming of the Capitol was always part of the plan. Oh. So it's hard to believe with all of that coming out that anyone was really just like it. showing up for a cute little protest moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That just like reminds me of like being in high school and like us all getting caught at a party and any of us trying to be like, it wasn't me. Like, I didn't know it was a party. Like, yeah. alcohol's here. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> anyways, that's my right. my relatable moment. Right. And our parents didn't buy it. So, <laughs> Absolutely you know, not. Absolutely We're not, not going to buy it. I was and I, the I, I should also say, like, on the site, there is an email address on each profile. So people can send us tips and we really we encourage it and we vet them all. We have a matrix that we vet them all through. But people are also able to correct their profile or reach out to us. So we've had that done. And actually it was proof that some of them were proven that we should take them out and we did, right? So this is, it's not about doxing. It's not about cancel. It's just, we want to prevent, present accurate information and are open to the feedback to make sure it's, it's accurate. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, you mentioned organizations that were participants as well. And two names that we hear often are Proud Boys and Oath Keepers. Can you give us an idea as to who each of those organizations or groups are. Yep. So the Proud Boys was started in 2016. They may sound familiar to people because in during the 2020 elections, during one of the debates, then President Trump said, you know, Proud Boys stand back and stand by. So they are a group of right-wing neo-fascists, you know, by their manifesto that, you know, did include violence in their in their founding documents. They were founded by Vice Media co-founder Gavin McInnes, which is an interesting fact. That is really interesting. And they were, it, it, more and more is coming out, you know, one of their leaders was found, he was charged with seditious conspiracy and was found to have documents that outlined the events of January 6th, much as they happened. So they were very involved in the planning of January 6th. In the index, we have 37 individuals who are linked to the Proud Boys. So they were very much a part of the planning of of the events of January 6th. Wow. The Vice Media part is really interesting. interesting. I did not know that. So I don't know if I want to call that like a fun fact, because like it's not fun, but like... (laughs) Uh, additional no, fact for the back pocket. We're gonna have a yeah. juicy fact. That. Juicy fact mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, and then last one is what is the big lie? We hear this constantly, and kind of want to get a snapshot as to what it really means. It's all over the news, all over the media, and every time we talk about honestly voting rights or anything election related, everything goes back to the big lie. What's the big lie? And the big lie is Donald that Donald Trump won the election. That's like the long and the short of it. The more, you know, nuanced answer is that there was all this voter fraud, that, you know, votes were created or, you know, that that there was fraud on the side, I guess, you know, in this case for Joe Biden, for the opposing candidate, that, you know, votes were created or that it was not valid. It's been investigated several times. We've seen that several states have had audits or Arizona Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs calls it a fraud it because it was, you know, like involved. So many taxpayer dollars were spent on trying to investigate the election. And nothing has been turned up. Nothing was found. That's why it's called the big lie. Yeah. The fraud it. Wow. The Guys, fraud we're it. we're going to have an entire vocab book coming out after this episode. Yeah. I, I like- squared. Fraud it. The coolest. I the mean. <laughs> it's going to be more like an urban dictionary, but. <laughs> coolest sounds cute, though. I have coolest. to say. It's true. Like, yeah. I'm a little coolest. Like, I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't. No, I agree. 
I can imagine calling my daughters that. Yeah. Something cute. Yeah, totally. I was going to say, like, if what you call it, you, like, ever have, like, your um, kids, like, trying to be like, no, I want to, like, override this, like, dinner choice or whatever. Like, stop trying to be a cooist. You're being a cooist right now. Oh, I always tell them, like, I wanted, I have two daughters. I'm like, I always wanted strong women. Mm. But, like, I didn't expect to be your first lobbying target. And it's freaking (laughs) exhausting. Absolutely fair. Yes. Well, circling Uh, it back to, you know, what's going on, insurrection index, I squared wise, one of the numbers you hit on earlier was that there are quite a few of these, these humans that are running for office. Can you give us some of the details there as to A, how many again, and is there any state in particular where there's more of them, where they feel a little bit more empowered? What's the lay of the land? So there's 38 so far. We are tracking when people declare, so when they file a campaign committee. People are running. So I should say that there, if you go to Interaction Index, there is a map on the So Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Michigan have more. So for public-wise, three of our target states based on that and also the populations that we work with are Arizona, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And there is a disproportionate amount of insurrectionists they're running for offices in states that can have control of elections. So one of the the hard parts of doing election work in this country is that elections are not run by the federal government, they're run by state and local governments. So a position like Secretary of State, which I mean, how many people really even know who their Secretary of State is or that you vote for them yeah. or that they, they, for many states, that's your lead election official. That's the person that makes decisions on when your elections are, how they're funded, how you vote. And there is a disproportionate amount of insurrectionists who are running for those offices. And this, you know, yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is, you know, the insurrectionists, this movement is a well-organized and well-funded movement to take over elections. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a surprise that they're running or it's not a secret that they're trying to sort of infiltrate these offices and control elections in battleground states. So public-wise, in addition to creating this index so that you know who they are and can vote, we're running you know, voter outreach work in each of these states to ensure that people know and can vote these folks out. Yeah. Where are we in terms of like where the investigation is right now and who is being held accountable? If people were an insurrectionist in your book, a coist, <laughs> how are they now able to run for office? Like, is there, you know, legal repercussions that are still kind of waiting for them or is there any hope as to like accountability, you know, coming around so that maybe it can prevent some people from actually running for those positions? Like, where are we in terms of all of that and holding these people accountable? So right now, there's nothing on the books that really says that if you're an insurrectionist or part of, you know, an insurrection or committed treason or any of those legal terms that says that you can't run for office. There are people and it is not us again. There's a lot of great attorneys and advocates that are working on I guess part of the 14th Amendment is an insurrection act. So saying that those people would not be allowed to vote for office. But as it stands now, they can. There's nothing saying they can't. If you qualify, you know, by age and where you live and the other qualifications to run for that office, you can run for that office. But so that's the why repercussions we're... that like when they were identified as an insurrectionist, like do they just get fined? I know some of them got arrested, kind of like the bigger people who led the charge. But for everyone else and the hundreds of people who were there, what are their repercussions yeah so there's i mean there's the the folks that are being charged with seditious conspiracy which is a very serious charge carries you know i think a 10-year sentence it's a charge that's not used very often by department of justice so that's the most serious charge that's been brought up there are you know the smaller charges like you know trespassing felony like you know i mean trespassing or vandalism or you know you can see on the, the site all the different charges those cases are happening now and we're tracking them and the sentencing is beginning so there is jail time there are some people who are getting you know, there are some people who are just getting fines, but we are seeing jail time come out. And it's something that we're actually tracking because we think that there is, you know, a criminal justice aspect to this, right? So Absolutely. like the QAnon shaman, if he's getting sentenced to, you know, four years and there's like concern about whether or not he has access to organic food, you know, there's like that side of it. Yeah. And then there's the single mom in Texas who voted from the wrong address who was sentenced to five years, who's, you know, a single black mom. Yeah. Right. So we yeah. know we want to look at like who is getting held accountable within totally. elections. That's such a good point. A thousand percent. 
I know I can't laugh at QAnon Shaman because, like, obviously this <laughs> is very alone. important. But so it's just, there's something about it. Ah, my Lord, it is an SNL skit. You That's can laugh at the fact that the dude's mom said that he needs, like, nutritious foods. That is? Hey, mama's like, boy. just, ah. Uh, this mama's is why boy. you can't date a mama's boy. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, in case anyone needed any more evidence. My biggest red flag. <laughs> my biggest red flag. No mama's boys. Sorry. But... Circling back, getting away, getting away from mama's boys, looking at democracy. Somehow those are in the same category. But why are these insurrection, oh my God, insurrectionists running for office so dangerous for the future of democracy? Like, it seems obvious, but can you give a little bit of color as to that storyline? Yeah. So the thing I cannot stress enough is that January 6th, the insurrection was not a one day event, right? It was part of a long standing generations-long campaign of voter suppression of stealing elections. And we know from, you know, other democracies where elections were stolen, someone doesn't just steal one election. Like, it becomes a pattern. So, public-wise, we've outlawed the phrase, this is the most important election of our times, because we say that it started to lose. But we are at a tipping point. We are a tipping point of our democracy. We, as Americans, sort of hold ourselves up as this beacon of democracy. And right now we're fighting for a functional democracy. Mm-hmm. And the way that that's going to get overturned is by having insurrectionists control elections, having them control, you know, we, there are people running from Congress down to school board, right? There are people, there's there's an insurrectionist running against AOC, actually, right? So there's people in every state running for every level of government. They will have control over what you learn in school, how elections are conducted, how they're funded, how taxpayer dollars are used, what the lines are between politics and government, what the ethics are. So the more these folks are getting into positions of power, the further democracy and elections are eroded and the less your vote counts. So we we have to stop this now. I and mean, we saw that in Texas, some of the insurrectionists lost in the primaries. We saw in an off year that some of them got elected, right? So we just, we have to fight back. It's a, it's a critical time. Totally. Oh, it's so scary. And what are really like some of the likelihoods of these people winning? I'm interested even on like polling of people who are conservative of like where they even stand on. I think there's such a line and there's like conservatives and there's like these insurrectionist QAnon people. What are the likelihoods of, of these kind of more QAnon conspiracy insurrectionists winning? And really just also looking at the state of democracy, like how can we protect it? And are we actually at a place where these people can win this year? So I'm going to contradict myself in one sentence, but at least I'm aware of it. Okay, yeah. We love self-awareness here. Yeah, I believe in self-awareness. As someone who was on the 2016 campaign, like the idea of following polls, oh, yeah. you know, a little sick to my stomach. That's you know, so like, Fair. Right. Like, we have to take every candidate seriously. Totally. The polls can say one thing till election night when you're there pregnant and unable to drink <sighs> like I was. I'm sorry. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> You know, and then the polls can, you know, sort of blow up in your face and something's happening that was never supposed to happen. So mm-hmm. candidates should always be taken seriously, especially ones that are such threats to democracy. Totally. That being said, we conducted some polls. Yeah. At oh, did you? Because, <laughs> um, you know, why not? No, but there were there was research done on whether or not people across ideological lines thought that insurrectionists would hold office. And sort of the initial questions, the initial question was just, if someone was there, should they be in office? And it was split down party lines. Republicans said, sure, why not? Democrats said, Democrats and independents said no. So we wanted to dig a little further into that to see if there's any like cracks or footholds for us to look at. And so we asked sort of increasing levels of involvement. So like if someone attended, it was still down party lines. If someone funded, still down party lines. And we sort of got deeper and deeper until we got to the question of if someone coordinated with insurrectionists in advance, help them figure out like how to get in, like how to how to, you know, execute this plan, should they hold office? And the majority of even Republican voters said no. Okay. So I'm saying this to say that, you know, there is there are voters that we can chip away at. Yeah. Some of these folks, and you know, there there's a big difference between having a moderate Republican in office and an insurrectionist in office. Yeah. So we need to take these threats seriously and we need to know that there are voters we can talk to, to, to keep these people out of office. That is such an interesting breakdown. I'm like, I really held out hope for there, there for a second. Like conservatives even would be like, no, not an insurrectionist. It's where I draw the line, but like apparently not. I'm sure there's also a big kind of discrepancy as far as people's understanding of really that day and all, like literally what whatever media source you choose to look at or read or watch, 
that is also obviously going to contribute to the way you saw that day. And, you know, Fox News the day of was saying, absolutely, no, this is crazy. This needs to stop. And, you know, but then as time progressed, they started to make the excuses for it and like started to make it seem like it was okay. They fed it with a big lie. And I'm sure a lot of their viewers, you know, think that way and don't have a full understanding of like the weight of that day and really the implications of it. So very interesting breakdown that where the line is for conservative voters, but hopefully we can get some, get the misinformation out of there. But a little scary. Um, I didn't, what, didn't love that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this is it's also... I, I'm glad you know, we actually like funded a lot of this research. So I wasn't the one on like Donald Don't Win or like in the chant because I would not be able to handle that. Oh so I'm glad that there were people who were like had like the stomachs of steel that could go into the parlors and the chants. It won't be all me. This information. It would not be <laughs> me. Mm-mm. No, I'm with you. Even like, do you guys watch The Daily Show at all? Mm-hmm. You know, um, now I'm looking on the comedian's name. He's like the very tall, gingery dude that's like one of the other comedians. And he goes to all of the Trump rallies and he interviews people and sees like the contrast, the, you know, them totally Mm -hmm. being hypocrites and whatnot and contradicting themselves 10 times over. And I always like crack up at those little bits and whatnot. But at the same time, I'm like, how does this guy sit through it? Like, how does he stand through it and not absolutely lose it? Stomach of steel. I said stomach of yeah. steel. Yeah. But nonetheless, we gotta we gotta talk about how to use I squared. <laughs> how do people use it? How do people access it? How can they use it to sort of help inform their understanding of what happened that day, who's involved and whatnot? So go to insurrectionindex.org and I really invite people to go down that rabbit hole. Take some breaks because, like we said, it gets it can get dark. You guys are screenshots um, and receipts, okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and press clips and all you know, and yeah. it, it's growing as the January sixth committee is releasing more information, and we actually shared the, our data with them too. You know, this is going to keep growing, and that's going to keep growing. So, if you go to interactionindex.org, you can search by social media handle, by name. You can search the candidates in you know, like your school board race or whatever, you know, your congressional race. You can search people in your community, see if charges were brought against them, and you can get all of this information there. You know, a lot of it is, you know, it's again, it's publicly sourced, but also like from public information like the DOJ or like you know our partners, the research they did, social media. So it's all there, and I invite people um, to take a look and to to get to know who's running for office in your your district. Absolutely. Such a crucial year to have this information. So thanks for the work you guys do. But everyone, Mm. go take a trip down that rabbit hole because we love a good rabbit hole. And let us know what you find. Like, I I want, like, Whoever comes back with the best tea wins a free girl in the gun merch. (laughs) I don't know. Honestly, I kind of love that. Okay. Nonetheless, to wrap things up, give us the, the scoop where we can find you if anyone has any follow-up questions, social media, plug the whole thing. Um, so publicwise.org is our website. All of our research, all of our information, all of our press clips are there. We're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at PublicWise. And I should say that if you go to Insurrection Index or PublicWise, there is a donate button. So all of this work is incredibly expensive, I will say, like gathering all this information. And like I said, it's not like there was a set, there wasn't a set universe, right? So we just needed eyes and minds and people across our partners, which you can see on the site also, to be able to do this work. And we want this to be a sustainable tool, right? So mm-hmm. part of PublicWise, our inception was that pro-democracy forces often look cycle to cycle and anti-democracy forces think, generation to generation. Mm -hmm. So we want this to be a long term. We want this for 22, 24, all the elections. These things need to be memorialized. Politics has a strangely short memory. Like we need people to remember what happened. And so to do that and to keep it live and, you know, to have our CIO right now doing a data sprint that all costs money. So any donations help and would be really welcome to help us keep this going. Absolutely. That point of like, just never forgetting this day and making sure people remember it moving forward and every election to come is so important so yes everyone go check it out and thank you so much for coming on the show this has been also very informative and we love the team we love all of all of it so thank you thank you so much for having me top stories of the week kicking it off is 
this. <laughs> uh, okay, so Biden Thank you, aims Thank you. at <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Biden aims at ghost gun violence with a new federal rule. So President Joe Biden on Monday took fresh aim at ghost guns, the privately made firearms without serial numbers that are increasingly cropping up in violent crimes. As he struggles to break past gun control opposition to address firearm deaths, so. Seeking at the White House, Biden highlighted the Justice Department's work to finalize new regulations to crack down on ghost guns and announced the nomination of Steve Dettelbach. Name. Wow. Would you approve of that pronunciation? I do. I'm going to put the stamp on it. Okay. Because that is quite a name. that I've never heard this one before. Steve Dettelbach, who served as U.S. Attorney in Ohio from 2009 to 2016 to run the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. So Biden said, law enforcement is sounding the alarm, he said, of ghost guns, briefly holding up one for cameras to see in the Rose Garden. It's kind of like, it's kind of That is a horrendous. That's a scary visual. Yeah, I was going to say, what in the optics is that? What in the PR? What in the PR is that? And he said, our communities are paying the price. Hold on, I need the image. I, I do too. Need the image. We need the uh, image right da, now. Da, 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 da. Wait, nope, nope, nope. That's videos. Oh, go- mm. oh no, no, no. Send no. it to me. Send it to me. Send it to me. <laughs> so bad. Send it to me right now. Oh my god. Wait, how do I get it in the chat? Oh. Just like text it to me. <laughs> okay, okay, that's easier. <laughs> you guys, we're having, we're having like a one. breakdown. It's. Oh my god. These are the moments where I wish we had like a YouTube show where we could just pull this up for everyone to see. Honestly, it's, we're linking the picture in the episode description. <laughs> we have to. We absolutely have to. It is. I mean, look, if I were Fox News, I would jump <gasps> on this image so hard. Don't take any ideas. Why does it even why does it look like that? It's like one piece of it. I really want like the full picture of like the background of like him in front of the White House with the Rose Garden and just like the whole context. And yeah. God, does he look like an old man in this picture, but it's okay. He, we love you, Joe. Um, nothing like a gun to age you, you know? But yeah, not sure about the holding up of a ghost gun in the Rose Garden, but here we are nonetheless. But linked, it's linked in the episode description. Go go check it out, see it for yourself. But he is promising that these new regulations will will save lives. So that's a plus. The optics, questionable. Still, the announcement on guns highlights the limits of Biden's influence to push a sweeping congressional overhaul of the nation's firearm laws in response to both a recent surge in violent crime and continued mass shootings. Congress has deadlocked on legislative proposals to reform gun laws for a decade. Executive actions have faced stiff headwinds in federal courts, even as the Democratic base has grown more vocal in calling on Biden to take more consequential action. Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro, by the way, he's running for office, who was attending Monday's event at the White House, applauded the move and pointed to a serious uptick in ghost guns being found by police. Police in Philadelphia have seen nearly a 500% increase in the number of ghost guns recovered in the past two years, Shapiro said. That's Just wild. last week, a police officer there was shot by a ghost gun wielded by an 18-year-old. Police said had also shot three others. This loophole has cost our nation countless lives, Shapiro said in an interview. Today is a critically important step to close that loophole. He also said that the move is likely to help drive down violence and aid both police and prosecutors in bringing their cases. The rule is also likely to help bring down the number of people who shouldn't be purchasing firearms before a gun lands in their hands. Nonetheless, one resource that we do want to give you guys, and you can find this on the Girl on the Gov Instagram, is Every Time for Gun Safety has released a report, and this report shows the scores they've given per state on the strength of its gun laws in contrast with each state's rate of gun violence. The research staff also shows where each state is at on 50 policies considered key in reducing gun violence. So you can go and see where your state's at and you can also see what some of these laws are so you kind of understand the context of what might be going on in other states and whatnot. Regardless of that, this has been obviously a big update, something we'll be keeping our eye on, especially as good old Steve Diddlebach might be confirmed, <laughs> aka is nominated. But in the coming weeks, we are going to be also talking about gun laws with guests. So please go submit your questions. Yes. What you might be wondering in this department, you know, what gun laws might be used now and in the future to help reduce gun violence. Send us your cues. We will ask our guest. 
yada 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 let's yada, move on yada, to the next yada. story we'll keep you updated and submit your questions next story is new york lieutenant governor has been arrested in campaign donation scheme Ooh, the tea let's hear it so new york lieutenant governor brian benjamin was arrested Tuesday in federal corruption investigation, creating a political crisis for Governor Kathy Hochul seven months after she selected Benjamin as a partner to make a fresh start in office that was already rocked by a scandal, as they say, with good old Cuomo. So Benjamin, who is a Democrat, was accused in an indictment of participating in a scheme to obtain campaign contributions from a real estate developer in exchange for Benjamin's agreement to use his influence as a state senator to get a $50,000 grant of state funds for a nonprofit organization the developer controlled. And so he's facing charges, including bribery, fraud, conspiracy, falsification of records, and Benjamin was, was expected to make an initial appearance Tuesday in Manhattan federal court. Two lawyers representing Benjamin did not immediately respond to messages seeking comment. I just like reading this. I'm like, isn't this just what every politician does for the most part? Like talk about open secrets again. We didn't really like mention it in the gun conversation, but you guys go see if your representatives are funded by any type of gun lobbying group. It's all in open secrets. But this is just another moment where I'm like almost so many or just so many local officials and state officials are funded and influenced especially by real estate developers because that's where especially all that in new york especially in new york especially in california too with yeah. our housing crisis they're all heavily funded by housing developers by the real estate lobby which is like so slept on and like how big of a lobby real estate is across the country really and this is really just feeling like isn't this I mean, what I think everyone's doing? <laughs> this one's different, though, in the way that it was done. It's not, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, this is very, like, the logistics are different. The logistics are yeah. the results as to these charges. Yeah, it's like, are you giving this? This is more of, like, favor for a favor, but, like, in a, yeah. in a slightly different way. But it's still the same thing. And I think, overall, this just goes to show that, like, Republicans and Democrats, yes. like, this is a problem for both parties. This mm-hmm. is not a, like oh, this is a Republican issue. Oh, this is a Green Party, a Democrat. Like, yeah. this is an all-around yes. politics issue. Yeah, real estate is also a lobbying sector that really isn't super partisan. Like guns, for example, the gun lobby is obviously heavily paying but influencing the Republican Party. But real estate, they really go after both. But like, especially if you're in California and honestly, New York too, is check who is funding your representatives especially at the state level. Like, and if you live, say, in California and you just are seeing the housing crisis every single day and wondering why nothing's happening is because real estate lobbies are funding candidates who ultimately get into office to not do anything to solve the housing crisis. So they continue to make for-profit housing instead of affordable housing, which is what is needed. So... Yeah, like we said, this is obviously not okay, but it's just funny to me because it's the same monster, like with a different face. So, interesting. Well, I am really curious what happens with this because, so I found this like little fun fact really interesting. So basically it says if Benjamin resigns, he would still likely appear on the ballot for the 2022, aka this fall, gubernatorial Democratic primary, even if Hochul picks a new lieutenant governor according to state elections law. Yeah. Which just seems really confusing and weird and I'm curious what the background is there. So next time we have a New York official on, we are definitely asking that question. But we also have in the Democratic <laughs> primary, we have Congressman Spuzzy. So we have some a few other candidates too, but he's been the one that's normally been on the show, but is definitely in more of a stiff heat with Hochul because they're both very like moderate dems like they're both yeah. marketed as moderate dems so curious if this impacts her but i don't know if this would be another question for next time or for when we have a lieutenant governor on at some point is like does the lieutenant governor that running mate does that make a difference in some of these races like i don't think it does the way a vp does but again for anyone who's like what even is a lieutenant governor it's basically the vice president to the governor i think people don't look at lieutenant governors 
at all the way they look at a vice president. But again, it's a similar role. So it is something to still pay attention to. Obviously, this person clearly has a lot of power. This role has a lot of power. And make sure you're paying attention to every race down ballot because, you know, they're consequential. And this is an example of that. So very interesting. But you guys, guess what? We'll keep you updated. <laughs> like, and go buy merch. We'll just keep saying it all day. Go buy merch right. and we'll keep you updated. But next story is Oklahoma governor signs bill to make abortion illegal. We are about to have an absolute heyday with this story. So Oklahoma Ooh. governor Kevin Stitt. God, I hate that. Stitt the shit. Yeah, I'm like, I can make so many jokes about that name. Like, just the ideas are brewing. So he signed a bill into law on Tuesday that makes it a felony, a felony, to perform an abortion, punishable by up to 10 years in prison as part of an aggressive push in Republican-led states across the country to scale back abortion rights. The bill takes effect 90 days after legislature adjourns next month and makes an exception only for an abortion performed to save the life of the mother. Thank God. Thank you so much. How generous. How generous. How generous. And abortion rights advocates say the bill signed by the GOP governor is certain to face a legal challenge. It sure as hell should. Its passage comes as the conservative U.S. Supreme Court considers ratcheting back abortion rights that have been in place for nearly 50 years. Although similar anti-abortion bills approved by the Oklahoma legislature in recent years have been stopped as unconstitutional, anti-abortion lawmakers have been buoyed by the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to allow new Texas abortion restrictions to remain in place. The new Texas law, the most restrictive anti-abortion law to take effect in the U.S. in decades, leaves enforcement up to private citizens who are entitled to collect what critics call a bounty of $10,000 if they bring a successful lawsuit against a provider or anyone who helps a patient obtain an abortion. Several states, including Oklahoma, are pursuing legislation similar to the Texas law this year. I, I just, there's so many things that make me so absolutely livid. Yeah. One of them being, I, I don't even know where to start, but one of them. One is of like, them being that rapists in Oklahoma can be sentenced up to five years in prison. But if you get an abortion and you're raped and you get an abortion you could be sentenced up to 10 years in prison. How, how, how does that make sense? It's just funny too. I'm like, all these states are really pushing out these just atrocious laws. And I'm like, in an election year, I'm like, okay, like fire everyone up. Let's go. Because I think hopefully this like silver lining is that everyone's like, what the fuck? And looks at their state legislatures and looks at these state races and goes, I need to vote. I need to get all my friends to vote. I need to get all my family to vote. I need to get my whole community to vote. And this is the year to do that. And if they want to keep pushing these terrible bills through in these states, we got to fight back. And it's an election year. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> so many directions. So many, so many directions, directions. So many thoughts. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing just negative just as in fact. And then I'm going to swing back to something that's positive that further validates the need to get out to vote for state elections. Yep. Thing one being, it's just first of all, just like so atrocious that we are still dealing with this in 2022. But like at the end of the day, like this is going to impact lower income and people of color yes. more than anything. Yes. And that is so integrated in this. And I feel like that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. And it's just, it's so core to it. We're actually going to be having a really amazing guest come on and talk about that specific lens in mm -hmm. the coming weeks. So if you guys have questions as to how this very much unfairly targets that demographic, please send them our way. We definitely have questions too, and we want to really make sure that we cover it the full extent in that capacity. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting to look at how these states are the poorest states in the country, and they are not allowing this like safeguard for a lot of women, a lot of families who maybe can't take on another child, don't have the financial capacity to right. do that. And that's just one, obviously, like a circumstance of why a woman would need an abortion. But like, these are the poorest states, the poorest, the absolute poorest. And, and also like the correlation with poor sex education yes. also integrated in here. Yes. And this is a big hint to go listen to our episode with 
db with sex ed with db podcast and we talk about how literally in the united states you don't have to have actually like medically accurate information dispersed in the classroom about sex education yeah so just think about that and then yeah what would be the result of Of that lack of of education yeah it's so asinine and i'm like genuinely confused besides just the bigotry like what could possibly be the argument as to why these are good policies to push through like i could not like you know if you're thinking of a policy and its implications comprehensively what are the pros to bills like this besides just like pure bigotry and ignorance and misogyny and racism Fact, 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 fact. I mean, I feel like I've heard some arguments from people that are looking at from a, I'm going to get these words all mixed up, like capitalist perspective of it keeps like certain people wealthy and certain people poor and it's controlled. Totally, of course. So there's that argument. It's just the patriarchy in, in full swing. Again, back to the positives and like, what can we do about this? Like it's, it's voting season, baby. Like it's time to get out and it's time to mobilize and obviously make sure you're registered, make sure you're voting, but check in on all of your friends and point them in directions and, and resources that can ultimately help these issues. Um, again, like listen to our episode from last week about the state's project. It explains perfectly why state politics matter so much. And this is obviously the story is an example of that. But she breaks down like really just the importance of these state elections and how we need to be paying attention to them. So if you guys have any questions about your ballot, this election year, how you can be more involved, how you can learn more about state politics, please DM us. Let us know how we can help you help all of us. <laughs> so yeah, time time to put those political caps back on and make sure all of your friends have them on um, as well because these laws should fire you the fuck up. And I think everyone's angry about them, but hopefully pe- just point people in the right direction so that they don't feel powerless in these situations. Point them to us. We'll keep them informed. We'll tell them how to vote. I and mean, we have a list of so many other amazing resources that people can look to um, in these really scary times of uncertainty and bigotry and patriarchy. But those are our top stories of the week. You guys, merch is live. So go get your merch. And if you are the 10th person to buy merch today and new merch design, then you can get a free merch piece of your choice, be it new design or old design. That is all also obviously linked in our episode description. And as always, if you're looking for an internship for the summer or the fall, go to girlonthegup.com careers and learn all about it and apply if you're interested. Join our brand ambassador program. There are zero requirements during our brand ambassador program, but we provide resume boosters, political networking opportunities, and honestly just a place to continue this political conversation amongst other young women. You can go sign up at girlonthegup.com as well and learn more about it. And then I'm trying to think what else. Oh, we haven't said this today yet, but if you are 21 and over, go get your wink wine. Obviously. Obviously, you guys, go get wink wines. There are 200 plus wines on the website. You can get four bottles for $29.95, which is an absolute deal. So that is also linked in our episode description. Am I forgetting anything? I think... Those are our housekeeping. Um, Honestly, we're just so excited about the merch that everything else is just slipping our minds today. Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> Go give us a little review on Apple yes. Podcasts, rank us on Spotify, and most importantly, actually, no, I've got two most importantly. One, share with a friend, share mm-hmm. with a family member, share with a coworker. Honestly, share sh- with your ex. Share, uh, maybe. But also <laughs> share it with the person walking down the street, you know, your bodega guy. Why not? I mean, yeah. my bodega guy knows about the podcast. So your bodega guy should know about the podcast. Yeah. Anyways, that aside, also thank you for the great grilled cheese with avocado earlier. Love you. Regardless of that, I would also like one note, and this is like something I have talked to so many people about and they have like no idea, but download your episodes whether you listen on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else, downloading episodes really helps us, helps us grow, and all of that good stuff. So please make sure you do that. It's a little arrow button, little boop, down. Hit that arrow. You hit it. Hit it. And like I 
keep saying i think it's my phrase of the moment is bada bing bada boom bada bing bada boom follow so, us on social media follow us on tiktok we're just churning out pre- premium content for everybody same with on instagram <laughs> so go follow us wait i had another thing to say oh it was just back to this political impact conversation if you guys are like hearing these stories and seeing these scary political things like honestly sharing girl in the gov to your friends and helping them get informed is a great way to have political impact because ultimately ultimately the more informed everyone gets then the more impact we can have and ultimately the more people we can turn out to vote so go share 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 with all of your friends all of your family and get your political impact in along with your political learning so there you go but that is it for this week thank you for listening and we will be talking to you all next wednesday go get your merch Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.